This episode of Ticket Volume is brought to you by us, Invigate. Get service operations under control in no time. Get one free month of our software solution by going to try.invigate.com. Ticket Volume is on to bring you a truly evolutionary thinker in the service management space. She has co-founded three companies, serves as a fellow for the Institute of Digital Transformation, spent 20 years leading digital transformations with a background in system integration at IT outsourcing firms and organizations like Metso and Schneider Electric. Welcome to Ticket Volume, news and information for improving IT experiences. I'm your host, Matt Barrett. And each week, I chat with different leaders to share insights on service management, technology, business, and this episode, it's not going to break the mold. I hope you're having a great day. And what are you looking to learn more about? Leave a comment. Connect with us. We need the research to get better. For now, though, let's begin. Welcome to Ticket Volume, Patty Blackstaff. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here, Matt. Thanks yes, for having me. my pleasure. It was great to meet you at Service Management World recently. Um, and I've always been a fan, of course, longtime follower. You and Greg Sanker, you, you definitely, like, I see you two in the same places all the time. So let's get right into it. Um, you, you've been in this space for a while. What have you been noticing as far as trends? What has been changing? Where do you think um, people are going? Okay, so uh, what's changed? What's changed is um, the entire format that we look at, and we can address the elephant in the room. We're talking about AI and, and all that that's doing to the industry and, um, and ways that it's both exciting and frightening. Um, I think that service and support and customer experience and all of those pieces are moving to the enterprise. They're no longer this this group of folks in, in the corner of the room. So I'm seeing a lot more ESM, which is important to focus on because the enterprise itself is changing uh, and leadership maybe uh, hasn't kept it. Um, got it, okay, yeah. So, so what you're seeing is a, a shift towards a ser employee service, we'll say. Uh, and and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like a backlog of work for leaders to understand what that means, how they should be leading, what they should be doing. Is that right? Yeah, in a way, I think that you know one of the problems we have is we look at leadership development as an individual thing as opposed to an organizational thing, and that's hitting us. That's hitting us hard. And the reason is because for the last fifty years we've been relying on a management structure that is outdated, that was built for the industrial area era you know that was not functional for what we're trying to do so i think that that the goal is to really take a look and and take a systems approach to just about everything we're doing because we are too complex now we are far too complex not to look at the entire system as an enterprise solution this is how i know you're a nerd we're like two minutes in and you've already said systems thinking <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally legit. I love that concept, actually. Um, when when I first learned about system thinking, that's what it's all about, right? Like, have the system so that it supports itself. If you can build something as, as sustainable so that it can sustain itself, um, then you're going to see better results overall. Um, 
So what do you think what do you think leaders need to do? What do they need to learn more about to 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 catch up? I would say there's four things. Um, and and you know, I'm gonna do a shameless plug here because I am actually writing a, a book series on this. But um yeah, the uh, it's it's understanding the shifting landscape. So we have a convergence of many things. We're talking network, we're talking speed, we're talking technologies, we're talking software, apps, economic factors, and, and the people perceptions and the way we work. Everything is right now on this big tectonic shift and, and we're move, we need to move away. And we need leaders to understand that what we did in the past isn't gonna work anymore. You know, we're not, we're still we we're still running into leaders when we do our our consulting gigs that who who treat service management the way they treated desktop support when you stuck a disk in into a person's machine and you loaded up you know their email software their email client we're, that isn't what exists anymore you know uh, a good portion of what we're doing is in the cloud and the people we're leading you know back then they weren't that technically savvy. <laughs> right now, the people we're bringing into our organizations are so technically savvy that we're failing them with the software that we're using internally. We're, we're literally taking people, and, and I call this the Amazon effect or the consumer effect, right? People who have a mobile phone and they are functioning in the rest of their lives with these slick, wonderful, easy to use user experiences, and they're walking into organizations with this clunky, legacy, ridiculous stuff that is delaying them. And I would tell you anyone under the age of 35 is uh -huh. bypassing it. Like they're ignoring it. They're, I'm not gonna work with this, it's ridiculous. This, I can't do my job this way. And that's a huge shift. That's a massive shift. I think that leaders also need to understand not just the landscape, but the cognitive shift they have to make personally. They've got to do the work. They've got to understand it's a mindset shift of who you're leading, what you're leading, and how you're leading it. So the whole shift then becomes, oh my goodness, you know, these are highly specialized teams. I don't need to direct them. I need to create an environment where I'm providing the resources and the support and the and developing the processes so that they can do what they do best and inform me because they're the ones who know the stuff on what decisions I need to make. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good you. one. But then there's the collective cohesion. We have we have so many leaders who can't figure out how to create collective uh, cohesion within a distributed environment because they've never done it before. And so as an organization, we're failing those leaders by not giving them training and coaching and helping them understand the tools they have can do that. I've been virtual since, well, we started our business in 2008 and I literally was virtual with the job that I had in corporate. I'm a, you know, recovering corporate director. Um, I, I was virtual then I was sending people to four different or 40 different countries, right? So um, my teams needed to be able to work virtually and the support we did for our clients needed to be, uh, done virtually. Mm -hmm. We can do this. There is the ability to do this whole, you know, cohesion in a team. 
but there's some foundational pieces that we're missing and we're not using the organization systemically to say we need to do this as an organization across the board. Last one. So that's that's what there's the, the the first one is the shifting landscape. Understand it. Understanding your, you know, cognitive minds shift that needs to make a change as a leader, uh, collective cohesion. The last one's global affinity. We are connected. So if you look at where we're connected, we aren't just our organization. We're connected with our vendors. We're connected with our customers. We're connected across the world with our sometimes our partners. Sometimes we're even connected with our competitors, right? We, we belong to industry associations. We belong to networked groups and communities of technology that we are so interconnected and interdependent. And that leads right up to governance. Like when you look at governance and ESG, they're looking at who are your suppliers? Who are your, right? So that's the global affinity. What are we doing as leaders to build the relationships with our vendors, to build the relationships with our customers, to understand how the entire system works and that's something we're missing those are great like already (laughs) i think we could end the episode here there's so much work to do already like even just with that first one um getting to the new digital understanding that it's not like it's not break fix like we used to do it um it never never really should be that way at least now because technology is such a commodity if something's broken it better be ready to be hot swapped even before it broke. Um, and, and right. We're talking about 99.99999% uptime. Right. And, and that's an expectation. Exactly. And then I really love your second point because it really drives to the heart of service and support that autonomy, the ability to, to discern and to decide how you're going to complete your job on a daily basis. It, it not only improves how we feel about our work and improves ownership and trust. And there's so many layers to that, that those, those are my favorite two right away. You know, and I think, I think there's something that's happening. There's a stupid conversation that keeps happening. That is, are we in the office or out of the office? And it's the wrong question altogether because it doesn't matter. Right. The question that matters is what were we doing before the pandemic? And that is, we had teams who, whose manager or director allowed for autonomy. And suddenly the pandemic happens and afterwards that autonomy has been stripped. So people are now being told they have to work differently than they've always worked. It's not like it's yeah. something new. It's just that now the, the lens is shining in a different space. And, you know, it's, I like to call it, and I heard this from someone at Gartner, I wish I could remember their name, but they called it organizational betrayal, which it is. People are feeling the betrayal of what we knew we were doing and growing to. We knew that the, all of us, all of us in service support knew what was coming, right? We, We just hadn't enough organizations that were ready to say, yes, let's do that. So that accelerated during the pandemic, but Matt, like, don't you don't you see the same things that that suddenly the basics and that's what I call just the basics of an organization autonomy flexibility capabilities and understanding skills those basics are in a different conversation uh, than they should be yeah you know exactly 
I don't don't think about um don't think about like necessarily that I have to do it as an employee, but give me the tools. Give me what I need to 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 raise myself up, to to raise up the organization right. as a result. And and leaders need to understand that 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 like let's make decisions on things that matter. Let's not get down into the weeds of what doesn't Gosh. matter. And you know, it's it's just like measurement, right? You want metrics that matter. You want to be able to, and I get that from Greg all the time. Every time we have a conversation, he brings up metrics that matter. Um, because we have to really think about what is the purpose? What is the purpose we're trying to do? And if the purpose we're trying to achieve as an organization is met, and we can provide meaning for those people as they're meeting that, then any of the other stuff is side distraction that doesn't get us to where we're going. It's so perfect. I, I just gave a presentation about your IT career, and that's what it was about. Like, find an organization that wants to change the world in your way. And, and you're saying organizations need to find ways to make the world the way their employees need. It's like, converge these two. Come on, it's time. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's not rocket science, but we're not doing the work. So we're not committing or investing in the work that is required at the leadership level to create that value chain. It's it's not happening. And that's that's shameful because it is that leadership that unites that collective cohesion that actually achieves what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, you know, our audience is service management practitioners. They're they're process owners, they're incident managers, they're the people writing knowledge articles, the people picking up the phone and answering the chats. Well, how 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 do they see this is how do they get supported one thing one message i want to give to all of those folks is that they have more power than understand. they think they have much more power than they think so collectively understanding the interdepartmental connection of around you, like get outside of your department and start figuring out what you can do with HR, not how HR frustrates you on onboarding and offboarding. Let's let's ask those questions. So that that's at the very basic, let's start looking at the connections we have across the organization and asking, how can I, how can I make it better for us? And then when they say something and it's something that's maybe a burr in your in, in, in your sock as you're <laughs> talking to them, you can ask them, is that working for you? Because I'm struggling with that piece. Explain to me why you do it so that I can understand how I can, you know, and learning these conversations and learning this communication external to where you are so that you can figure out how to make it better for your own job, that you have some ownership there, yeah. right? Um, and then at the leader level, you are a champion of your people. You are both a buffer and a champion. So let's not flow the BS down to the front lines that doesn't need to flow, allow them to do their work. But you as a champion need to learn how to put on a marketing hat. Honest to goodness, how many teams I go in and I will sit down with them and I'll say, what are your wins this year? And they'll start rattling off all the cool things they've done and all the neat stuff that's happening. And no one in the company knows. Nobody knows what's going on, right? So uh, there are a whole bunch of ways to do that. 
team up with your marketing team. Team up with them. Find out how you can brand what you do. And that sounds silly, but it isn't. Let people know who you are by having a unique brand within your organization. And then start moving through, like, how many companies, and I'm talking about the larger ones here with money, right? So you're talking about, you know, over, over 100 employees, a little bit larger. How, how come you're not utilizing the TV in the lunchroom? How come you're not utilizing the TV at the front? How come you're not doing, you know, customer testimonials internally on, you know, or asking people to write articles on how you solve their problem for you? Why aren't we, you know, so that's the marketing hat. That's a leader has an opportunity to maybe champion a little bit broader by taking those wins. So instead of worrying about whether they're in the office or out of the office, maybe we need to start worrying about how much our organization knows about us and the good Yes, exactly. That communication is such key. It's such a key element in just inspiring people, connecting people. Um, you, you spoke at the beginning about that global impact, global reach. I mean, that is basically what you're talking about. How do I share with the other departments this is what we're accomplishing? And thinking yeah. systemically, that's another way to keep people involved, right? If you if you have them yeah. writing articles um, about how, how IT has helped me, then they're there with you, and you can ask them other questions. They can they have more ideas that other people see that article and think, oh my gosh, I want to partner with that team. I want to come to those same outcomes. Exactly. And on the individual level, it's really easy for us to take a look at the data, right? It's easy to look at us and, and care about ticket times and, you know, all of that. Like it, it's easy to get mired in that because those are easy reports to create for the executive. And so it becomes this expectation that is off maybe of what our uh. true mission is. And I think that if we're, if we're looking at always pinpointing what's wrong, then we're failing yeah. the team to start with, right? But what if one of your team members just happened to walk onto another floor or happened to be on a, on a Zoom call with somebody else um, in a different department and they said, hey, I saw that thing you did with so-and-so, kudos, good on you. And they're getting that feedback external from your yearly performance review or whatever. That team member, Talk about loyalty. They're going to be just glomming on to doing more and more of what's yeah, good. And they'll see they've got a future. They've got a career path. They're going to grow. They're going to go places. And they can take it to their next team yeah. that they start. And hopefully it's in your organization. You don't lose them. There's so, so many yeah. benefits for that. So how does Global Sway help? How do you connect with teams and, and get them to this point? So we work, we work on advisory. So we work, we, we start with and say, let's, let's talk with the leaders. Let's see what's going on. Then we really get involved and we ask, you know, for this transformation, what in fact have you heard from your stakeholders? So we go around and we do those interviews and it's bigger than OCM because it's, it's about teaching the executive how to be good um. sponsors. So they can, they can write the check or they can show up at a steering committee meeting, or they can start getting involved as an active participant in what the transformation means. And so that includes vision, that earns, that includes what does it mean to commit? 
operationalize and institutionalize this with the organization. So we'll start working with the executive first, and then we move throughout, and then we literally do team coaching programs where we invite teams together and we coach them through what this means for them. Because one of the things that we hear all the time, and it drives me nuts, it's, it's talk about a pebble in my shoe makes me crazy because I am always hearing, oh, there's so many resistors. There's so many people resisting. There's so much resistance. Let me tell you, resistance is merely a response and they are responding to the level of preparation that you have given them for the transformation. That's it. They're just responding yep. to you. So do, yeah, the work. do the work, connect with the people. If you're trying to build a voice of the employee program, this is how you do it. Um, uh, yeah. Daniel Breston said it on his podcast. That's one of the things that he wishes that he had advised more leaders to do, to just talk to your employees, go out and just listen and respond, sense and respond. <laughs> it's such a simple concept. And feedback mechanisms don't have to be, I mean, if, it, if you're clear from the get-go, hey, I'm going to hear you, I'm going to listen, we're going to take a look at everything you say, we may not, we may not use that, but we want you to know you were heard, and we will give you a reason, a legitimate reason why we can't do that. If you are transparent in that way, because transparency is the key to a successful yep. transformation, right? then people know what to expect and know what to understand. We did a we did one transformation. We got a 98.6% adoption rate um, on it, which was really rare. But the comments we got were interesting. Oh, oh, I, I thought this was going to be way more painful. This is oh. a lot easier than I expected. This was good. But it wasn't good because we're awesome. It's good because they were prepared. They knew what to expect. They knew what the journey looked like. They knew the touch points. So there's two pieces. You're you're doing a transformation, and sometimes we just dump the whole thing out visibly to people, even though we're doing an agile process in the back end. But the touch points that are involved, there are electronic use changes, there's procedure changes, there's all these little pieces, and we're talking about the system here, that are needed to support it, that have to be built as we lead up to that transformation. And those are touch points. And you have to engage in the touch points, not just the, here yeah. it is, you know? Yeah, that's such a good point. <laughs> and, and we kind of gloss over it. Uh, you know, we call it co-creation of value. We, we put labels on things, but this is really it, that you're the people who are delivering the work, if they decide how, they already know what they want. They know what the future looks like. They're good at their jobs. They read the internet they're paying attention and if you give them the autonomy to then decide how they're going to work in the future you don't even have to convince them they're convincing you well and you learn things you know we did we did one transformation where they had the um a finance group had a whole bunch of scripted stuff it didn't know about and had we not sat down and literally said how do you do your work We'd have never discovered that. And oh my God, 3.5 million customers, right? So, and that's finance yep. we're talking about. would have been hung up for, for days until we did a rollback. So you have to really understand that the people doing the work have the knowledge and you have to trust that knowledge. <laughs> it's so good. 
Okay, Patty, how can people connect with you and learn more? Okay. Um, at Global Sway on Twitter. I am at globalsway.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. Tell me you saw me here because then um, I, I know kind of where you're coming from and I'm not apt to think you're selling to me. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, and engage me in any way you want. And if you're looking for somebody to, you know, come in and talk to your leadership team, we're all about that. We'd love to uh, just let Excellent. us know. Thanks for being on Take It Volume. Thanks for your time today, Patty. Thank you for having us. Uh, having and me. for our audience, thanks for all listening. Of all of my oh, Yeah, exactly. All the crazy. Here I am. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. We've got a bunch more out there and more to come. So make sure to subscribe to receive an alert every time there's a new episode. You can also submit topics or guests. Just provide us some suggestions because we want to be able to build this with you. And speaking of that, if you did like today's podcast and want to share feedback, please leave a review. You know that the algorithm loves your interactions. This podcast is brought to you by Invigate, the all-in-one IT service and asset management system that helps organizations with world-class IT support. If you're looking for a solution to build your help desk without headaches and year-long implementations, and terrible go-lives, you're going to love Invigate. In fact, IT teams from People's Bank, Toyota, McDonald's, and many more use Invigate to manage requests, automate workflows, and provide agent autonomy so that they can focus on delivering better service. Because remember, good service is good business.